So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, Smarter Vets. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Smarter Vet Financial Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Tom Seco. I'm a financial advisor that works with Florida Veterinary Advisors, and we help veterinarians across the United States find the next step in their financial plan. Today, I've got a, a very interesting guest, a very exciting guest to bring on the show because uh, I don't usually find a lot of people who are so engaged in this particular topic. And I think it's amazing because I, I would love for everyone to hear more about it. Uh, and before we jump in here, I want to make mention that if you are someone that really wants to get a, a next step in your finances, you're looking to review the foundation of how you're doing things, you're looking for a, a way to really just start planning a little bit more, you feel like you're kind of scattered when it comes to how do I handle my finances in a way where I'm going to get the results that I want. We created a five-part video course. They're 20 minutes a piece. You can literally sit down and watch them stop and go as you please. And you'll, we'll walk through a process on how to really develop a good foundation in your finance. So no, no matter if you're in the beginning part of your career, the middle, or if you're getting closer to uh, that retirement part, uh, it can help be helpful for everyone. So if you're interested and you want to go watch it, you'll find the link to the video course in the description of this podcast. Uh, any other further ado here, the, what, what I'm so excited about this conversation today is that this is something that's kind of near and dear to me as well, because I love this these topics and I love talking about these things. And I, I've had a chance to recently meet uh, Dr. Eric Rooker. He has focused a lot on the, the psychology of different things out there. He created the Operators and Owners, which focuses on positive psychology. And at the same time, he is a primary dairy practitioner and practice owner. So he's got, I think, ample time to do everything that you could possibly think of. Uh, so I, I think this conversation is going to be great. And I appreciate you joining the show with me today, Eric. Thanks for having me on, Tom. It's uh, it's been it's great pleasure, pleasure meeting you and finding somebody who actually believes in personal development, you know, as much as I do. Yeah, absolutely. And because I'm sure there's a bunch of people who haven't met you yet or have had a chance to talk with you at some point or another. And I think it'd be fantastic if you can take a moment to just talk more about like you know where you started off to how you got to where you are because it'd be interesting for people to know that. Sure, sure. Well, the short and the long of it is, you know, I'm the cliche story for veterinary medicine. My family owned a rendering plant. So basically I picked up the, the dead downer, non-human edible cows and processed them back in the day when it went to dog food. And uh, I can remember when I was a child crawling over uh, mounds of, of dead cows, as gross as that sounds, and seeing these guys in, in green coveralls um, trying to figure out what the cow died from. Uh, and they're always very cordial to me. They always invited me around. They always explained things to me. Um, and I've always looked up to them. Uh, so basically, since as long as I can remember, I've wanted to be a vet. Again, as cliche as that sounds. Um, luckily for me, uh, I got through all my schooling, um, got accepted into uh, UW-Madison, uh, went to vet school there, and actually got hired back by my hometown practice. Um, so my life goal had always been to work back home, work with the farmers that my family had worked with. Um, work with the veterinarians that had mentored me for years. And, and I achieved that. And about four and a half years later, which which is kind of our buy-in at our clinic, um, I, I was able to become an owner of the clinic that I'd always wanted to work at. That's and awesome. what actually led me to this is the three months after that, you know, after writing that big check, 
I remember distinctly sitting in the basement um, of, of my house, um, unfinished basement, sitting at this white, you know, plastic foldable table. This is my office and staring off against the wall of that basement wall and going, what did I just do? Uh, and sitting there going, is this it? You know, this was, you know, and you probably worked with this, Tom, you've worked with individuals who, who have achieved the pinnacle of maybe what they can achieve. Right. So you kind of wonder what's next sat there and went, there's no challenge left. You know, I've, I've achieved what I worked since as long as I can remember for at 28 years of age. And, you know, is it just going to be practice medicine and, and, and run a clinic, which by no means is an easy task. But I just didn't see the challenge. And, and one of my innate talents, one of my innate strengths is, is competition. Hmm. And, and I just didn't see any challenge remaining for me. I, that was, you know, a lot of veterinarians struggle with mental health issues. I've, you know, blessedly never had the really negative mental health issue, but that was the closest I came to burnout, to really not liking my career, to, to maybe even leaving my career. Mm-hmm. And I just remember sitting at that hard white plastic table staring at an unfinished basement wall and looking at the corner of my desk and a book was sitting there and it was a book that my mentor um, dr chris booth who mentored me again he was one of the veterinarians who was there when i was crawling over cows um mentored me for years he'd given me this book like six months before i'd set it on this desk you know i'll read it one day and it was how successful people think by john maxwell and this book just changed my life he's one of my favorite authors yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else have you read from him, Tom? Anything? You uh, think of anything intentional living there? is another one. I've okay. also, uh, was it think like a leader. I think it is. There's, he's okay. got a whole library of books that are yeah. out there. So. I think he's got like 30 or 40 books. It's, it's crazy. He's one of the more prolific authors I've, I've ever seen, especially mm-hmm. in the self-help area. Anyways, I look at this book and I read it and it changed how I thought. And I, I started to kind of go down this, this personal development, self-help type path. And as cliche as it sounds, you know, I'd listen to Tony Robbins, um, to Les Brown, those types of people um, on YouTube, on podcasts. As I went deeper and deeper, I think our natural inclination as, as veterinarians is to look into the research and what backs this. And what backs well-being is really this, this concept of positive psychology. You know, when we Love think it. of psychology, you think of schizophrenia or something like that. And this is on the opposite end. It, it, it is almost like the preventative medicine of mental health. So I love it. that's how I got there. And since then, it's been, you know, a whirlwind of making a business and starting that up and getting some, you know, some help along the way from different organized veterinary medicine. So that's cool. But I will say what's been, there's a lot of things to talk around, like the overall health and well-being of that's out there of like, Hey, it, it's becoming, people are becoming so burnt out in veterinary medicine and uh, there's all these little tips and tricks and things that are going out there, but really when it comes down to the, the self-determination, the actual development of yourself, it seems like that is a, it's a constant journey that you're having to go down where it, you're, you're not able to just say, Hey, you take one pointer and then like, that's it. Now my life is solved. It's it, and that's, what's so incredible about what you're starting to do at this moment. When you think of when it comes to people in their finances, and I'm wondering if for yourself as well, what would you say is like one of the biggest challenges that uh, people have with their finances. Yeah. And I think very much so what you said, you know, about, about self-determination there is, is journey before the destination. And, and very similarly, you know, the challenge with finance, I think a lot of people have is, is, you know, they have a finite mentality of what that journey can look like. 
I so, talk, so to talk a, a little of, bit more on that. Like, so when you say a yeah. finite mentality, like, what do you mean? Um, so we come out of vet school, obviously a large portion have student loan debt. Um, you know, some individuals don't have student loan debt or, or minimal debt. And the pathway that's in front of us oftentimes is work for 20, 30, 40 years, whatever your work window is like, mm-hmm. put away a suitable amount of money into a retirement account and then retire. And that is your earning potential. And I think a lot of people are very, you know, zoned in, focused on that as their only earning potential. And I think one of the biggest opportunities, not only we as veterinarians, but people in general have is, is to open up to a growth mindset. Um, there is lots of different ways to make money. And a lot of them don't require a whole bunch of time. I can't tell you the number of people I've worked with that have monetized hobbies that they've had, whether That's they're cool. veterinary related or non-veterinary related. I don't know. How often do you see veterinarians that are working with you, Tom, that actually have monetized something maybe that that's not just veterinary medicine that they practice every day? There's, there's one person that I know that started doing more uh, like consulting things recently. And now he's starting to monetize that. It's more of around, uh, of course, it's around like wellness things. I think it's becoming a huge topic these days. But I haven't, I'm, I'm really curious to see like what kind of people have you on your end have seen that have really created a hobby and that's become something yeah. big. Like what, what's something that stands out to you? Yeah, so I, I think that there's, there's kind of two ways you can look at it. You, you can look at completely outside of veterinary medicine. Okay. Um, you know, I've seen people who do, I'm sure you've seen like the rentals, the Airbnb you know, people mm-hmm. buying rental properties outside of there. Um, I have friends personally who have turned, you know, significant things like interests, let's just say like 3D printing. Um, you know, I've got one friend from high school that that I'm not intimately close with, but he has taken out in a 3D printer that he was just futzing with and now has a decent side income off of that, that printer. But I've also seen people who are in veterinary medicine who are able to identify a niche that people don't really have or don't really do that then can either monetize that internally within their clinic or externally. Hmm. Um, you know, I see people do that with speaking. Um, I would be also an example of an individual who's seen an opportunity to develop and, and investigate personal development and then turn that into something that could be an external monetary stream. Yeah. But I think if you can identify those areas that really something you have passion in, something that you don't mind working a little bit harder in um, and actually sit down and think about, Hey, if I wanted to make money from this, how would I do it? Just taking that time, you'd be surprised. I'm not talking, you're going to make you know hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of dollars, although people can do that, but sometimes to change a quality of life, all you need to do is make an extra five or 10 or 15, $20,000 a year. And you know, that can really change your life or even be as simple as, Hey, I just want to take a trip every year and this is how I'm going to do it. That's really so, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I find it incredible that there's in, in the way that the world is right now, there is so many opportunities to be able to find other income sources if you really want to. And that limited mindset that a lot of them have, because especially to I know like around even just to bring up student loans here for a second, that there's like, hey, I'm never going to pay them off. I'm never going to be in a position to get them off. And of course, there are when it comes to yes, if you're only making so much and you have so much in loans, like what's the possibility of that happening and being able to live your life and do the things you want to do. However, you do have lots of different things that you could potentially try to explore from, you know, being able to generate income in different ways, like what you're mentioning right now. And, and it's, it's incredible to find out the, I, I know we have lots of conversations all the time where, Hey, I, I don't, 
really take the time to think about, I, I really think it boils down to this too, where people don't really take the time to think about what they want out of their finances. And then they're so like, they see what other people are doing and then they just kind of let it be. They think that's the way it's supposed to be. And it's, it's incredible. Like even depending on the amount of time that they, as they grew up being able to learn about finances and know about other opportunities. And it seems like to a certain degree, of course, from you growing up and being to where you are, I think it's partially myself too. My dad was very entrepreneurial in nature. Uh, so I picked up some of his tendencies along the way, but I think yep. I'm like, I've compounded it myself. <laughs> yep. That entrepreneurial spirit passed down from the previous generation, I think plays a huge role. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. I think a lot of times, you know, people are also looking at the previous generation of vets and, and shying away from ownership because, you know, they're scared of the people management or the finances or something like that. Right. And kind of like you said, you know, if you look at a veterinary career, by the time you hit five or six years into practice, your earning income is, is you know, close to capped, you know, whether you're pro sale or, or, or whatever variation of compensation model you're on you're probably not going up very much, but the ability to purchase a practice allows you to change your quality of life from a timely standpoint, but as well as from a financial standpoint, like you said, if you really want to be able to attack those loans, having a little bit more open mind to the entrepreneurial spirit and, and taking it on. I think I was listening to an earlier podcast of yours and, and it's really interesting. And this is a fact that I'm going to use for a long time. You guys had mentioned, you and CJ had mentioned um, that like a bank that you had talked to re remarked that only like one in 200 veterinary loans defaults. Mm -hmm. Like I keep reminding young veterinarians. I'm like, you know, they get scared when they look at the numbers and I go, have you ever heard of a veterinary hospital, large animal, mixed animal, small animal failing? Like they almost never fail. So, you know, being scared, I, I can see that, but it also is a fear of mine that, you know, our industry is going to go very, very corporate simply because we're, we're afraid to take on that challenge as the next generation of veterinarians. Interesting. So yeah, that is definitely an opportunity to, to open that mindset. I feel like. Absolutely. Well, and coming back here on like the whole positive psychology of things. So if, if you were to take some of the stuff that you're learning and that you're talking through with yeah. your, your company that you have, what are some of the main, like, let's say three topics that you touch on when it comes to like, when you're trying to improve positive psychology? Sure. The overarching you know, foundation of, of our company is self-determination theory, mm -hmm. which basically it's a theory that was found in 1998. It says that we as human beings each have an innate need. And this innate need is what motivates us to develop ourselves, to push ourselves forward. Um, and, and those that need breaks down into three areas, autonomy, competency, and relatedness. So autonomy refers to, do we feel like we're actually in control of what we're doing? Relatedness refers to the unconditional friendships that we have that aren't tit for tat, but instead are there to kind of support us. And competency refers to, are we improving our overall skill set, either in a specific area or as a whole picture? And that is really the foundation of what we, we focus on in operators to owners. Um, we try to expose our members or the, the people who work with us to information that improves their competency. We try to create what we call uh, medium strength connections or connections that allow free flowing information between individuals to improve relatedness. And we employ several different ways um, to basically improve autonomy or your expression of how you want your life to go forward, kind of that intrinsic motivation principle. You know, and, and if I was looking at, you know, the second aspect of how I think 
individuals could have the biggest input or, or impact on their life, that would be that autonomous portion and specifically a concept called personal growth initiative. I love this concept. It's the first one I teach to anybody that really comes into our organization, comes into kind of our sphere of influence and personal growth um, initiative basically tells you, hey, I ask you, are you ready for growth? Do you have a plan for growth? Do you feel like you have the resources for growth and are you going to take action on it? And it's amazing when we begin to actually just introduce veterinarians to this concept and we take them, run them through a, a survey that basically assesses where they are in each of these areas and then run them through an educational program that just says, Hey, you know, this is how you get ready. This is how you make a plan. This is how you identify the resources you need and then hold them accountable to some level of action, how much you can actually improve that. And that simple step of educating people to their personal growth really gets them to start taking autonomy, taking control and getting out of the whack-a-mole approach to medicine and really taking it over. That's but cool. I mean, those are the two things that I think that have the biggest impact on what we do. Absolutely. That's really awesome. I, 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 even the way I, I try to process this in my own mind, it's like, especially when you're trying to grow, go and grow and wanting to go in a certain direction, there's the first is the, the thought and the birth of the idea, but then it's now it's the implementation and actually yeah. doing something with that and creating that plan. And yeah. I, I think that's incredible that what you're doing is helping them. People design this type of plan, like helping them come to terms and then saying, okay, this is how we should go about being able to put this in your life. That's powerful. I was just listening to a lecture from a Harvard professor on positive psychology, and he talked about information and transformation. So he talked about how our yeah. brain for years, and especially us as veterinarians, I found this very identifiable. Our brain for years has been basically shaped into how to take information in continuously and fit it into that space. And we've almost never challenged ourselves to take that information and actually transform it into something that's applicable to us, All something right. that is innately ours. And I think that that is the expression of autonomy that we lack in the veterinary industry. So that was, it was a really interesting metaphor for positive psychology. Yeah. Oh, and for those people that are just still kind of like dipping their toe in this right now, and they're, hey, this is a really interesting topic. They want to start taking a step. Like, what is something that you could encourage them to do that they could just go do right now on their own? Yeah, so there's um, lots of different things. I would highly recommend just start to read. So one of the things that, that I've really bought into lately is, is kind of learning what you actually want to learn. So follow the path that you actually want to learn in at that time. Now, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, personal development is probably something near and dear to you. So I've got a big hits list, uh, basically five books that have most <laughs> impacted my life. Um, and, and a couple of them play right into positive psychology. So, you know, number one that I've loved from the beginning, and it's probably the closest book you're going to get to understanding self-determination is High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard. I think you can get it free plus shipping from his website. Um, it is way cheaper from his website than from Amazon. I will tell you that. Um, but that is a really good resource. It's about as close to you're going to get for self-determination theory. Beyond that, then I start to look at kind of habit-based stuff. So Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, David Allen's Getting Things Done is always a classic. Now, if you're looking at mentality shifts, much like Tom said earlier, Intentional Living by John Maxwell. And that gateway book for me, How Successful People Think by John Maxwell as well. Those would be kind of the big ones. Now, on our website, we do have a personal growth initiative survey you can take. It's just otovets.com forward slash PGI. 
And I'm sure Tom will get that, you know, in the, in the show notes, but that, that is a, a survey you can take that will take a day or two to get your responses emailed back to you. Cause I can't collate them in the software that I currently use, but you could get an idea of where you're at in that personal growth cycle and you know, where you need to put your effort. But if you're looking for five books, you know, that's a great place to start after that. I really just start searching Google for the exact thing I want to know. Right. You know, so I looked at, uh, I was telling Tom before the show, I said, you know, right now I'm looking to, to get better at interpersonal relationships. And I just kept searching until I stumbled across an individual and he was explaining interpersonal relationships from the context of emotional intelligence. So now I just type in emotional intelligence and, and I start down, down that pathway. And I mean, honestly, the best way for, for the listener to do it is search for what you want read a couple blog articles and eventually some author will reference some book or some article and you'll find more. I, I love talking to Tom because he's, he's got so many books he's reading that are very down the same track. That's my Absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking too, like with uh, John C. Maxwell, there's uh, everybody, everybody communicates, but few connect was another great one. And there's a bunch of other leader books. Like I, I think I've read probably at least 15 of his books. Uh, and that I like highlighted and underlined and like, there are certain times in my life. And I, I know even something I want to bring attention here too, because as Eric and I were talking beforehand is this like, he goes on these, these little journeys every so often, every, you know, 60 days. And he picks a couple of things that he's identified that he wants to start implementing his life. And he becomes very intentional about it, which could even be something that as well, like if you want to take personal development as something you want to do is find one or two things and, uh, I, I love this one book that I read a long time ago. His name is, uh, I think his name is Jeff Olson, or it's called The Slight Edge. And one thing that stuck with me for so long is that people would always say, I don't have time to read. Well, cool thing is there's audiobooks these days, but if you did want to read the 10 pages a day of a book, 10 pages, I'm sure you can find time to read 10 pages. Like realistically, if you can't, like that's, that's a problem within itself, but you should be able to find 10, like to read 10 pages. But most books are about 200 pages in length. If you read 10 pages a day, within 20 days, you write an entire book. So like just doing that little thing every day can make such a huge impact over time. And I I love this. I love this subject that we're talking on. If if anyone wants to get in contact with you, Eric, what would be the best way if they want to reach out? Uh, So my personal email, uh, well, the business email is drdr.eric at otovets.com. Or you can reach out at the otovets.com website bottom of the page. You can always reach out through the contacts form down there as well. Beautiful. But I would second just, you know, if you're asking me for, for a close here, Tom, I would second the, the, the reading, you know, if you really want to start to get into personal development and, and reading is a challenge for you from a time perspective, one of the first things I did was take a speed reading course mm. and that will teach you how to, you know, 80, 20 year reading to get the 80% information out of that book. So you can get through as much content as possible on that topic. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's actually, there's one person who's called like the brain. What's his name? His name is escaping me right now. He had a, 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 a whole course. He talks about speed reading okay. and he's like this brain, something he goes by it's escaping me, but maybe at some point I'll maybe make a reference to it again in the future, but he has a phenomenal course. And I remember even just for those who are listening to this right now, cause like most books, when you do read them, usually the, you want to read the first chapter and, and the last chapter, because you'll usually get the most of whatever the book is about within those. And then if you want to delve down more, you can read different sections as well, but there's different ways to approach it, which is really cool. And uh, yeah. I'll make sure I provide your information in the show notes so that people okay. want to reach out. Uh, and on a completely unrelated topic to all of this, you know, if you were stuck on a island 
and you were stranded for the rest of your life, but you had unlimited source of food and there was one food you could have, what would it be? Oh, it'd be pizza, hands down. Yeah, pepperoni is there a particular type of, how much? Oh, what? pepperoni and sausage. Okay, Always. pepperoni. All day, every day. <laughs> like deep dish? Are we talking thin crust? Are we talking? Oh, now you're going to make me pick a type. I'm usually a thin crust guy, but I do love my me a Chicago deep dish. I don't, yeah, I'd probably go Chicago deep dish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, me too. Do you like Luminati's or do you like oh, Rinaldi's? Oh, uh, our Jared, was the Giardello's or whatever? Giardello's, I think, is so. We have good friends of ours lived out in Chicago, and they are very <laughs> biased on what the, what is the best. So we just go where they go. So I, I love Luminati's because their their sauce is a little on the sweeter side of things. Okay, okay. And it's, and it's it's I don't know for some reason I think there's like too much bread on Giordano's. Okay. So, but then yep. like the Luminati's a little bit thinner, but they're like sweet sauce. It's good. So oh, you can't beat it. We go when we go down and visit, we bring like three or four pies home frozen. And then you make them at home. They're not as good as there, but it does beat the heck out of, you know, nothing. If you got nothing, it it, it is pretty good. (laughs) Well, this has been fun, Eric. I appreciate you joining me here today. No problem. Glad to be here. If you ever need anything, you guys can reach out. Um, Hopefully we'll, we'll talk to you again soon, Tom. Absolutely. And if any of you want to get in contact with Eric, make sure to check out the description of this podcast. Also the five part video course that we have, you can find that as well. And if there's anything that we can do, or if you want to reach out to us any sometimes, just go to our website, contact us. We'd love to hear about uh, any topics you'd want us to talk about. Or at the same time, if you just want to drop us some love and say, hey, we, lo- we love what you guys are talking about, definitely reach out to us. Uh, for now, I'm Tom Seco, wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. CJ Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veneer Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purpose only. Only guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own.